everybody. I'm Kate Conroy. And I'm Vinny Civitello. And this is Other People's Business, which is the podcast from the New Jersey Business and Industry Association, the largest statewide business association in the country, representing about a million jobs in the Garden State. We release a new episode every other Wednesday, so be on the lookout for that. Shout out to New Jersey Manufacturers Insurance Group. They do home, auto, and workers' comp, so check them out if you are looking for updated coverage. They are the official sponsor of the show. Just a couple of housekeeping matters before we get started. This podcast is available anywhere you can get a podcast. That's iTunes, Google Play, Amazon's Alexa. We throw them up on YouTube if you'd rather watch than listen. Um, If you are listening to this on a network like iTunes that allows for ratings and reviews, we definitely appreciate that five-star rating. Helps us get discovered by more awesome listeners just like you. But really, any way you can show this show some support would be great. Tell your mother, tell your brother, tell your neighbor, tell the person who delivers your mail are you listening to NJBIA's podcast? Because this thing is on fire. So with that rant out of the way, our guest today is Michelle Sakurka of NJBIA. Michelle, say hi. Let the audience hear your voice. Hey, guys. Nice to join you again. Yes, I think you are now on more than anyone else with, I think, one more than Rashad and Daniela. Quite the feather in your cap. Well, kind of should be, right? I am like just kind of the president of the organization. So just <laughs> sure, it. sure. You're very busy. We don't try to take up too much of your time. Oh my gosh. So Michelle, this is airing exactly one year after we all went home for two weeks. <laughs> so <Yeah>. today's, <laughs> today's icebreaker is, what are you most looking forward to once we go back to normal? Oh, seeing your smiling faces in our building in Trenton. Yeah, for sure. I am. Look, you guys know I'm a walk the building type of person. Um, And uh, I like to walk the building and stop by folks' offices or cubes and say, hey, how's it going? And um, very difficult to do that in this remote world. Though, as you know, right, I've been doing my Zoom one on ones. And I have to tell you, if, you know, if I didn't do that, if I didn't maintain that connection with every single one of you in the organization, I wouldn't know what's going on in your lives. And I can't lead a team when I don't know the whole of you at any given point in time. So I'm really looking forward to walking the building. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Vinny, what about you? I, 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 this is going to sound so simple. I just want to touch things again. You know, like I want to touch things and not worry (laughs) about like getting COVID or anything. You know, every time I walk (laughs) in an elevator, it's using the elbow on the button or, you know, like trying to nudge something open with, you know, I just want things to go back to the way they were. (laughs) Even if the whole world doesn't go back to the way they were, if I can just touch things without having to worry about it all the time, that would be great. (laughs) So this is going to be a combination of of both. Um, It's not the touching things. It's it's going to be weird. People touching me like, I can't wait to get a manicure again. I can't wait to get a massage again. I can't wait to like get my hair done again. Like seeing people having hugs and, you know, it's just, I miss the it's going to be weird, like with the physical touch of other people, you know, I live alone. It's a thing. And uh, they say the 20 second hug is, is good for your mental health. I cannot tell you the last time I had a 20 second hug and I miss it. (laughs) Yeah. Now, Kate, you're, you're spot. I mean, you know me, I'm a big hugger. Okay. And um, the, the, that absence of uh, chemistry between yeah. people, it just cha- it changes the entire the entire dynamic. And look, I don't know if we're gonna be able to get back to hugging anytime soon. But you know, when I when I see my closest friends, I mean, my God, I, I didn't I, well, I didn't see my kids for the first five weeks. 
And when we finally got together as a family, because we were comfortable enough to do it, my daughter texted me ahead and she goes, mom, please tell me that I can hug you when I see you. I need a hug. These are my 29 year old twins and my daughter needed a hug. And I'm like, I'm hugging that girl. She needs a hug. <laughs> yeah, I literally cannot wait for hugs. It sounds so mm. simple. Yeah. <laughs> well, Michelle, um, the last time you were on, as Kate said, it was one year ago today, um, the whole world went upside down. BIA kind of immediately became this call center for all the issues going on in New Jersey. Um, I know that over the course of the last year, things have evolved quite a bit. How are things progressing now? How have things evolved? How are we helping out businesses? Yeah, well, as you said, Vinny, we went from 24-7, you know, call center, everybody, all of us, present company included, right? We counseled tens of thousands, tens of thousands of, of business people, right? We hosted over 40,000 people on webinars in 11 months. I mean, just think of the volume of that. People were starved for information. And what we did is we solidified BIA's role as the go-to place to get that information because we are credible, reputable, responsive, you know, in time straight shooter, always backed by research, don't make stuff up, right? Whether it's on policy or compliance or directing you where you need to be or giving you a connection to something you need, right? Our recovery resource page on our website, you know, everything, everything you needed, and especially, especially early on, all those best practices, like we were at the forefront of that, right? We had what, 20, 30 sets of best practices for all different types of industries. You know, we, we led, continue to lead the New Jersey Business Coalition, uh, which is a coalition of over 100 association and nonprofit leaders uh, still get together almost twice a week regularly. You know, like we cancel once in a while, we don't have an agenda, but I'm telling you, we still get over 50 people on the call twice a week, very active agenda. So this means like, we're not out of this. Like we're just in the, we're in the heart of it right now. Like we're feeling optimistic that we're coming, that we're coming out as we're going into spring and warmer weather ahead. But now it's like, we're going to amp up again. So all of a sudden, we, we got to be planning, like we got to know how, how what, what can businesses do as the weather's getting nicer again. So we got to be right at the front of that. And we've been at the forefront of all of it. And I'm super proud. I'm super proud of, of all of you. I'm super proud of the amazing team at NJBIA that was there for New Jersey businesses all throughout. Oh, that's that's an amazing answer, first of all. And thank you. It was, it was hard work, but it was so nice to do. It was so fun to do, or fun is the wrong word, but it felt really important yeah, yeah. to be helping people that really needed it. And so, yeah, it was it was kind of amazing to be part of that effort. Um, but but looking at the future, we have been producing really um, incredible statistics uh, out of our um, focus, NJ Focus. Our, our colleague, Nicole Sandelier, has been producing these uh, numbers. And one of the, the stats that I recently read was that New Jersey unemployment is at like seven and change percent, which is lower than it was, still way too high. But there is still like this weird push-pull in terms of what businesses need uh, for talent pipeline and, and skill sets. Can you talk a little bit about, about that push-pull? Yeah, absolutely. So, so first of all, those numbers coming down, don't let it be a false sense of, of optimism because there are people leaving the, the labor market because their benefits have, have, have run out or they've just given up and gone on, okay? So there's a whole unreported population hanging out there. Mm -hmm. um, and we still can't afford, I, I mean, the UI, the UI trust fund is, is, is maxed out, right? So we need those federal dollars to replenish the, the unemployment insurance fund so that we can you know, keep people getting, getting money so they can put food on their table. But you know, yeah, everybody always says, like, so think right before this, right? Think right before COVID hit. 
Um, and we had like the lowest unemployment in our, almost in our state's history, I think. And yet we had tens of thousands of vacant jobs in the state of New Jersey. And people go, what? what's up with that? It's because we have a mismatch of skills because there's jobs out there. And I love to say this, these are middle income wage jobs where you can live a very good quality of life in a very expensive state like New Jersey, live, work and raise your family. There is tens of thousands of those types of jobs that we don't have the proper skills being developed for, okay? And these are like, it could be the trades, it's technology, right? That's where we were like pre-COVID. Now, what happened when COVID hit is we just put a whole nother spotlight on this because it got even more challenging. Think of this remote world we're in, think of technology, right? Think of the skill set you need to pivot from showing up in, an, in a, a work environment every day where people are next to you and working with you to having to be self-directed in your home and show up every day and be responsive. And that's where we back up and say the most important skills are those foundation competencies. Because when you have the foundation competencies, you can move from a vertical job to a vertical job. If you're adaptive, good communication, teamwork, self-directed, right? It, it doesn't matter kind of what your technical skill is if you have the ability to be uh, adaptive to move along move along the spectrum. One more thing, because you mentioned Nikki, shout out to Nikki, right? Shout Future out to Nikki Sandelier. Yeah. We just, you know, oh my God, the research she and her team do is incredible. But you know, she just released released through yes, New Jersey Focus New Jersey, which is the Center for Workforce and Economic Solutions, um, the Future of Work report, which goes through 12 different industries as verticals and talks about the skill set for the future. And we're out, you know, she's out on the road show with this. It's incredible, incredible the receptivity we're getting. And we just hosted our um, post secondary, which we're now calling Education and Workforce Task Force, uh, just about a week ago. We had 120 people on a Zoom call from K-16, government, business, nonprofit, students, right? The whole gamut saying, what next, what next? So we lead in this space, right? We're, we're, we're dead center. Everybody comes to our table when we set it and we are solving real workforce issues out there like in real time with great partners like our community college consortium as well. Shout out to Aaron Fickner and, and the gang there where we're developing right now the training programs to go behind all this. One thing, talk about it. Right? We don't just talk at BIA guys, right? No, no, we're action oriented, right? Everything has to lead to an action. So we build the things that that answer the challenges that we bring up all the time. Yeah, I remember pre paint oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, you just made me think of another question. Um, so there was a time when we had a serious out-migration problem with, with kids uh, graduating high school seniors, leaving the state to go to college, and then not coming back and taking the, the education that we invested in them out of the state. Has COVID changed that? I'm I'm noticing that sometimes seniors are looking to go to school a little bit closer to home because of COVID. Has that impacted it at all? So I think yet to be seen, honestly. Like you know, you we we trends need to be more than a year, and especially a year following a crisis, right? So what you did have is you had a lot of entrenchment, right? You had a lot of first of all, a lot of families that said, "I don't want you to go far away." First of all, yeah. I feel bad for any anybody who graduated during this and had to start their like, you know, post-secondary opportunity. A lot of people put a pause button on. A lot of families said, we're not gonna spend that money. Our colleges, unfortunately, uh, had a really difficult, you know, fiscal year because of that. So, um, but you know, at the end, we need to continue the branding for New Jersey about attractability and affordability of post-secondary education, right? The learn more, earn more, be more in New Jersey. We need to keep our best and our brightest here, not just during a crisis because they're afraid to go away from home, right? Or because their school's closed and they're learning virtually. I mean, let's still look at the schools that people were virtual online for. A lot of those schools were out of state. 
we produce the number one K-12 product in the nation. Everybody wants our kids, right? Yeah. And they're willing to pay for our kids. Uh, we need to protect that asset they're our future workforce. Oh, great. Sorry, Vinny, I, I cut you off before. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say, you know, um, pre-pandemic, you know, this has nothing to do with what we just talked about, but we um, we saw that need for manufacturing, you know, the the open jobs. We, you know, the, I'm sorry, fabricated metal, right? We we actually like sponsored a program to help that along. You know, I, I was always really happy about that. I was like, we're not just saying it, we're doing something about it, you know? Exactly, absolutely. I have this great picture of uh, Cliff Lindholm. Um, from Fallstrom Company, one of our board members and past chair, phenomenal businessman and business owner. But I have a picture of he and I, um, you know, on his floor with the welders behind us and the sparks flying up in the air, like trying to create uh, energy around, you know, workforce needs. A welder could write their ticket in the state of New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that we had put out a statistic. It was like 100% of the graduates of that program found work. 100 percent yeah. <laughs> absolutely so, yeah. in demand it's jobs almost, yeah it's almost like what rashad uh Bajwa talks about from domain computers he he's like you know the the unemployment rate in the tech space is negative those yeah. jobs are so needed it's it's welders in new jersey are so needed but we don't nobody really talks about it or except us <laughs> i think the dialogue's changing though to be honest i really think that you know look there's a lot of um i don't even know positive is the right word but there was a lot of a lot of light shined during COVID on what was broken um, in a lot of our institutions, whether uh, institution meaning education, government, I mean, you know, all these we saw, like what are the things we saw, right? The vulnerable populations, how we do or don't take good care of a vulnerable populations, schools, nursing homes, right? Um, the frontline people uh, to those jobs, right? So there is definitely, um, people are gonna look at this differently, you know, coming out. Uh, I think people are much more aware. And I think that future workforce is much more interested in seeing, wait a wait a minute, K-12 is about me having a job in the future. K-12 isn't just about me going to college. And that's, that's a very big different thought pattern that we're already seeing with the next generation because of the cost of higher ed as well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's it's just amazing when you think about it. I um, I don't know. I I'm so glad that I am not in high school right now, trying to decide what I'm gonna do and what path to choose because I feel like th there is still so much pressure on from from parents and guidance counselors on kids to do the college path and to choose the four-year degree when there are so many viable options that are really good-paying jobs and uh, it just takes. A lot of effort to, to keep that conversation going you know devil's advocate it might be nice to be graduating in this world now so that you can kind of plan you know like as opposed to people who maybe graduated two years ago and picked a field let's say that you know would be greatly impacted by COVID in a negative way you might actually be able to kind of like see where the world is going in a better way now and plan accordingly yeah in, de in demand jobs and the in-demand jobs today, many of them are still the same as they were pre-COVID, but they're exacerbated, right? Frontline healthcare workers, nurses, medical assistants. And then you go to the other side, the trades and technology, right? I mean, in-demand jobs and in-demand jobs are about stacking credentials. Doesn't mean don't go to, don't pursue four-year education. It just means you don't necessarily have to do it on the trajectory that we always did before. You can you can earn, earn and learn, okay? And, and be more by stacking those opportunities. I like that. Earn and learn. I uh, I like that concept. That makes me happy. I I'm remembering my own graduate school days, thinking I was I was not earning <laughs> at all. 
it was it would have been really nice to earn and learn but oh well yeah um okay so i think we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back we're going to play a game okay and we are back and it is now time to play my favorite game offler awesome I'm going to name three things in quick succession, and we each have to decide if they're awful or awesome and be prepared to defend your answers. Are we ready? I'm ready, and I just want to make a point to say that when we last had Michelle on this show, because it was the beginning of the pandemic there, we skipped the game, and we told her, next time you're on, we're going to make you do this. Oh, <laughs> so this is that chicken coming roost. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> yep. That's such a good memory. I wish I... Okay, first up is Zoom cameos. And if you don't know what I mean, you have not seen someone's pet or a child or family member walk behind them while they've been doing a Zoom. I think they're awesome. They make my day every time. <laughs> Michelle. Oh, oh, look at that. Look She's getting prepared with the props. <laughs> Guest appearance by Amber Sakurka. <laughs> now I'll that. tell you, awesome. I think, I honestly think that it humanizes and I'll tell you, I mean, th this is a norm. No, I'll tell you my very funny story it happened just a few weeks ago. Um, we were on a call with Senate President Sweeney uh, talking about um, job opportunities and workforce development for developmentally disabled individuals. And um, there were about eight of us, eight of us on the call. And I was sitting in another room of my, of, of my home. And um, many of you know, my mom, my mom lives with me. And um, so my mom, I happened to be back into the kitchen and I saw my, my mom coming through the kitchen. I said, I'm thinking about how she's getting a cup of coffee and she's going to head back to back to her lovely suite in the back of the house, you know, with her coffee because she sees them, you know, on a call. And she came right into the uh, right into the view. Right. And as a, uh, a good mother does when she loves her daughter, I got the daughter treatment. Right in front of the Senate president. I love it. And very nicely walked her out of walked her out of the screen, right? Chrissy was on the call. Chrissy said, "Wasn't that nice?" <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I, I got kissed by my lovely 87 year old mom in front of the Senate president. <laughs> that is just making my day. I love it. Love it. All right, what about you, Vin? Awful or awesome? You gotta go awesome. Actually, it's funny. I, I like to call out my wife because she listens to this show in batches of like a few months. So even if I say something, it's not like she's gonna hear it for like you know half a year. So Tara mostly has been in person during the pandemic. Like they've had her as a teacher at work. So it's been very rare that she's been home. So she was actually home because of the snow not that long ago. And I walked past the frame so I could get like a drink or something. And she goes, you walked into my frame. And I'm like, look, you haven't been here for the whole year. We've set up a whole culture. We've set up unwritten rules. It's okay to walk into a frame as long as you're not doing something terribly distracting, you know, like, it's okay. You know, we just, we play through, we live with it. Yep. And Chloe used to walk into your frame. Yeah, Chloe found her way onto this show, you know, to a point where I, I gave her the little name tag at the bottom of the screen. Um, she was two at the time, you know, and she just kept running and I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> but yeah. She's great. Most adorable guest star ever. Yes. <laughs> all right. Next up, because this is also going to air on St. Patrick's Day, which is the holiday of my people. I'm wearing the green, as you can tell. That's why you're wearing green. Yeah. <laughs> great. Um, so the next I missed the memo, people. Come on. You got to keep informed. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wasn't sure if you'd be into it, but yeah, you're right. I should have, I should have given you <laughs> Um, okay, so corned beef and cabbage, awful or awesome? 
So um, I, 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 I do like it. I really do. I love cabbage. I, I can eat cabbage soup three times a day, eight days a week. Okay. Wow. Um, love it. No, I love, love, love it. So, but um, I, the whole, the boiled supper thing, like <laughs> that kind of version of it, I'm not a boiled supper person. I just like things a little more kind of flavorful and texture. I'm not a mushy food person. Yeah. I, I like it, but that's my caveat. So <laughs> boiling food is really an Irish tradition. And I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say it's not our best idea. It's not our <laughs> best idea. <laughs> but I uh, I'm a big fan of the corned beef and cabbage. And if, if you do it in a crock pot, it it comes out okay, I gotta say. But boy, you really like cabbage. You could do the, the cabbage soup three days a week or three. Love Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just, I literally, so. She actually <laughs> said three times a day, eight days a week. I just made a huge bad of it a few days ago, and poor Neil's been like subject to it like every day for lunch. Honey, it's cabbage soup time. <laughs> Do you make it with like the V8, like that old recipe that we, we all used to have once upon a time? Actually, the last version I made, I put in um, some more spicy diced tomatoes, like the Rotel that has the uh, chilies in it. Ah, Rotel. And then I put, oh my God, I put, uh, um, I put gi ginger, turmeric, and um, cumin. And it was phenomenal. Absolutely Fine. phenomenal. Up, I need the recipe. Sorry, Vin. I would like to get that recipe for me, please. Thank you. All right, Vin. Awesome, awesome. Corned beef and cabbage. So Kate finds a way to ask me about this on the show every single year, and my response is never going to change. In fact, like unlike my wife, I know that my mother listens to this show like as it comes out, so she's going to make me break her heart here. I am not a fan of the corned beef and cabbage, and you know, I you wouldn't know it from my name. I am just as Irish as I am Italian, and corned beef and cabbage is probably the dish that my mom makes best, but I just can't stand it. <laughs> it's something about the stringy texture. I don't know. Like, yeah. The wrong answer then. I know you know. Yeah, I know. And the smell of the cabbage, like I just I can't do it, you know. <laughs> God, boo hoo. It's the best. Yeah. Get over it. <laughs> so All I right. guess you're awesome then. Awesome. Obviously I'm awesome. Yeah. Well, what All is right. it that you like about it? Okay, so I make it with a uh, a pint of Guinness. So I'll put the corned beef in underneath or potatoes go underneath, corned beef goes on top pint of the Guinness, the seasoning packet, and then fill it up with water. And then, I don't know, four hours on high in the crock pot. And it's just so delicious. I literally could eat it. I could eat it every day, all day for, for weeks on end. I just love it so much. I don't know. It's delicious. It's mm. not Irish. Did you know that corned beef is not actually Irish? I did not. Uh. They, they got it in the Lower East Side from uh, Jewish families who were living in the Lower East Side of Manhattan when yes. all of the immigrants were sort of in that melting pot together. Isn't that cool? So how did this get associated with St. Patrick's Day? Well, because the Irish ate it a lot and never stopped eating it. And I think the Jewish families moved on and started calling it pastrami or, you know, moved like <laughs> corn, corned beef on rye with like, you know, and the the Irish were just like let's just keep boiling stuff. <laughs> they just never moved on. So let's just say though the best part of it is uh, the leftovers when you take the leftover corned beef and make the Reuben. Yes, one hundred percent. Yes, yeah. ma'am. Oh my gosh. All I right. have to agree to disagree here. Go ahead. Next one. <laughs> last one. <laughs> All right, last one. Running errands in COVID, which I'm gonna start and just go ahead and say awful. I can't wait until I can run errands and just forget that I need a mask like I can't tell you how many times I've parked in the Walgreens parking lot and then realized 
I don't have a mask with me. I can't go in the store. This is terrible. Mm. I I actually told Kate like a couple of days ago, I have not been inside of a grocery store since all this started. You know, I, I've been very fortunate to be able to do like the the online stuff. And, you know, there's a whole culture there I missed out on. I've heard things like, you know, they've they've changed the way you walk in the aisles and all that. But I, I don't know. You know, it's just, yeah. I, like I said, you know, like it feels weird. We're, we're talking about this as though like the pandemic is ending, even though Michelle said like we're still in the heart of this, you know, but like, yeah, I can't wait until it's over. <laughs> Oh, I think we all feel that way for sure. But I will have to say, I feel like I've become um, the queen of errands because, so again, my my beautiful 87-year-old mom lives with me and I need to get her out. You know, I need to get her out. And so, you know, ev every day it's, uh, you know, we I, I look on my calendar, I'm like, okay, what's that opportune hour? And I'm like, okay, you know, where do we need to run an errand to? And, you know, some days it's just the stop and shop. Today, today we're, today's we're going to the Aldi. So um, my mom's been looking forward to going to the Aldi. So today we're going to the Aldi, yes. She was double masked. She's got her first vaccine. She's got her second this weekend. We Good. clean our hands, we're very safe, but you you can't, you know, just have her sitting in the house all the time. We gotta get out, so. Yeah, that's good. That's really awesome that you found a way to, to make that happen even in COVID. I'm really happy to hear that. And it's our time to be talk in the car, you know, we could spend time together because even though we're in the house together, like I'm tethered to this computer all day long. So, you know, it gives us some time to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. Maybe when this is all said and done, there will be things about this period in our lives we'll look back on fondly. Oh, it's gonna I take a while for us to figure out what those things are. <laughs> Maybe it will happen. I mean, I can remember um, Lysoling my groceries before putting them away, before we found out that it, it didn't really live that long on physical items. And I, that is a story that we will tell for the I used to Lysol my groceries before putting them away. Like, that's just crazy. I have so, a feeling this whole period is going to be our generation's uphill both ways in the snow stories. <laughs> like, when we talk to kids, like, 50 years from now, like, when I was your age, I was... <laughs> boiling my mail before I took it out. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that was the game. That was sure. that was fun, but it got depressing at the end there. Sorry about that. <laughs> all right, Michelle, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you some stuff about the budget that was just proposed a few weeks ago. Deadline is June 30th. What is NJBIA looking for out of this? Yeah. Well, you know, we did have a message um, before the governor presented the budget. Uh, we, we were very strong on no new taxes, no new cost to business, um, and uh, and please, please, we need reform. So two out of three ain't bad, right? So we, we got no no new taxes in this budget, and uh, as we can see right now, no new costs for business right now, um, uh, but no reform measures. Uh, and so we really need to get to those reform measures. You know, what are we asking? What are we asking now in terms of investment? Look, this budget is um, this is a windfall to the state of New Jersey this year. The surplus uh, is extraordinary, one of the largest surpluses we've ever had. Uh, the, the, the governor underestimated all the numbers last year, took the super conservative approach, which we said, don't do that, okay? You're gonna have more money. There was no need to borrow $4.3 billion last year. There was no need to put, reason to put in a millionaire's tax. There was no reason to continue CBT because you know the the, uh, the taxes the taxes are going to perform. They did, and they are right. And so we have an overabundance of surplus. We're going to get another huge amount of money from the federal government, and we're going to live off the borrowing from last year. 
right? So we got all this money. So what do we do with it? Uh, instead of like, you know, super banking it for, for the future and stuff, we say, let's just increase our spending by another 10%. Oh, by the way, that's 24% since the beginning of this administration, 24% increase in spending over just four years. How sustainable is that? So, okay. Are we happy we're making a full pension payment? Responsible thing to do in a year that you have some extra money because of the whole amortization on the back, right? Look, we, we said when we took the debt last year, make sure you go into the debt arrangement in a way that we can pay it back fast if we have the money to do it. No, of course they didn't do that. So we can't pay that down up front, right? But we can make that pension payment, which will take off some debt on the back for New Jersey taxpayers, okay? So, you know, would we like to see that money spent um, differently? Absolutely. Uh, is it a responsible investment? Absolutely. Should we manage expectations and say, don't expect that next year? Absolutely. Uh, and if we could, you know, make a pitch for moving some money around in areas that we really need, we talked about this earlier, workforce development and more capital to small business, Main Street business. We today have almost 40% less Main Street business than we did at the beginning of uh, 2020. And if you look into hospitality, right, and, 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 and restaurants, it's like 60%. And these folks aren't coming back to full throttle in terms of um, revenue to offset their expenses for years. Right. So we can't just be throwing them like little lifelines. We have to give them like sustainable funding that helps them to reinvent their business model for the future because we know the future is just going to be different. So, you know, a few, few of our asks as well as, you know, get rid of that corporate business tax because we're an outlier, largest number one in the nation on that. Uh, treat our corporations fairly in terms of um, taxes that they get from overseas. It's that's very complicated tax stuff. But, you know, be respectful, be fair, treat them fairly on that. Last thing, investment infrastructure. Right. Uh, definitely let's make some good investment in infrastructure and things that we need in the state of New Jersey to get our economy humming because that turns into jobs. I have two follow-up questions and I'll make them quick because I know we're running out of time. Um, is this going to fix the unfunded pension liability and gateway? Answer in whichever order you feel most happy with. So um, it could, you know, it not fi fix now. The only way, the only way we fix the pension is to reform the rules for the pension going forward. The pension is unsustainable. Should I repeat that? The pension's unsustainable. So if we keep you know, playing by the same rules that are rules that aren't sustainable for the future, no, the only way you fix it is you reform it, okay? And we have a lot of proposals out on that and the, uh, the path for progress. Got it, and the gateway tunnel. Yeah, and gate, gateway tunnel, everything's a step in the right direction. So uh, we're getting we're getting a lot more play from the federal government on that, which is really important. You know, We're all in on, on that, so we need to see that project happen. Nice. All right. All right. Well, I guess that's our show. Yeah. How can people that's get right. in touch with you? Yeah. How can people get in touch with you if they need to uh, ask you a question? Sure. Um, so first initial last name, M-S-I-E-K-E-R-K-A at njbia.org. We also have a Ask Michelle button on our website. And I think every, I feel like uh, Lieutenant Governor Kim Guadano, I think everybody has my cell and they call it. So it's 609-306-2657. <laughs> That is amazing that you just gave your personal cell phone out. That is. I know, right? Wow. That's gutsy. I truly believe everybody has it, Kate. I don't think I've given it to anybody new. <laughs> I think every robocaller in the country has my cell phone number at this point. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> All right. That is our show. Thank you to our listeners, especially the subscribers. We so appreciate the support. Thank you to New Jersey Manufacturers Insurance Group, the official sponsor of this show. They do home auto and workers' comp, so check them out. And finally, thank you to our fearless leader, Michelle Sakarka, the president and CEO of NJBIA, for joining us today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for the opportunity to spend some time with the two of you. Uh, you do a great job. Keep it up. 
Thank, Thank you, you so much. All right, we'll see you all next time. Bye.